0: It's 10 o'clock on Saturday. Time for Spooky South Coast. Gonna learn about the paranormal. Find out why I've got a ghost. On 1420 WBSM, streaming online too. Now let's turn things over to those uh, Hoochie Coochie men, the spooky crew. Yeah.
1: evening everybody welcome to spooky south coast my name is tim weisberg and i'll be your host the silent assassin he'll run things with ease dropping all the knowledge and playing harp to science advisor matt Moni. Spooky South Coast. Tonight is a very special edition of the program, if you haven't already figured it out, because uh, we're actually displaying some actual music ability. Not having anything to do with us, of course, Carlston Chopswood, Paranormal Investigator, and Blues Man Extraordinaire is here with us, yes. because we are celebrating Black History Month with our special episode on paranormal blues. We're going to talk about the paranormal themes that run through blues music, some of these legends and lores uh, behind some some of the great blues men, and, of course, we'll be uh, sharing not only stories about the paranormal uh, in, in terms of these, these guys, but just learning a little bit about the history, about some of these early Delta blues. And we hear people talk about you know the appreciation for this music, but we're not hearing it anywhere, Carl. You know, they, they talk about, we hear you know Led Zeppelin, we hear the Rolling Stones, they all talk about Sun House, they talk about Robert Johnson, Tommy Johnson. but we don't get to hear this music unless we actually go out and look for it ourselves. That's right. And there's a lot of it online nowadays. That's the great thing about about the Internet is you can get something like the Uncensored History of Blues podcast. And uh, a little bit later on, Mike Rugel, who is the host of that podcast, he'll be joining us to share some stories and some of the information about these blues men and about some of the stories that you might have heard, the legends surrounding guys like Robert Johnson, Tommy Johnson, and even some people you might not have heard about. like uh, We'll talk about Petey Wheatstraw, who's probably my favorite story uh, (laughs) just because of the, the marketing behind it. You know, Early 1930s blues marketing. So uh, it started even back then, and uh, we're also gonna you know share with you some of our favorite songs. Uh, we'll be playing uh, a number of tunes throughout the course of the evening by the original artists. And of course, uh, Carl is here. He's gonna take us in and out of breaks, and him and Matt Costa they'll just be strumming and picking as we go along, and just who knows what's gonna happen? It's it's crazy. It's uh it's different. It's something that I don't think I've ever heard anybody do in the course of a a paranormal radio broadcast is to try to incorporate all this stuff into one show. But that's what we do here. We try to do things a little bit different. We're a little bit off ourselves. That's so right. if the show happens to be a little bit a off, little. we're fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe you've heard some of these stories. Maybe you've uh, got an appreciation for the blues and you'd like to call in and share. You can give us a call at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And our email is open to Crew. At SpookySouthCoast.com. dot com, you know, if you want to email a request for Carl, you can do that. I'll try my best. <laughs> and uh, we also have uh, up on the website Matt Costa. Why don't you tell everybody what you've initiated on SpookySouthCoast.com dot com tonight?
2: Start doing a uh, weekly poll. Just a little fun thing to add to the website. This week it uh, involves Matt Moniz okay. and and the Johnsons, <laughs> but not uh, not Keith no, and Carl not Johnson, not the other Johnsons. <laughs> okay,
1: so. The ones that were Tommy. actually no relation to <laughs> yes. each other or Keith and Carl?
2: Tommy and Robert Johnson.
1: Okay. And, and what is the poll for, for those who uh, are involved?
2: Who is more likely to sell their soul to the devil? Robert Johnson, Tommy Johnson, or Matt Moniz? So far, Matt Moniz is winning.
1: <laughs> That's winning. who I cast the vote for before <laughs> the program started.
2: 25% of the vote, I think. Wow. What that? Actually,
1: 75% of the vote. 75% of the vote. That's All a All three people lead. voted
2: so far, I see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, no, when I, when I went on, there was four votes for you already and one for Tommy Johnson. So... Uh, It's definitely getting some attention. So if uh, you'd like to go on and cast your vote, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com. You'll find it right there on the front page, as well as all the pertinent links for tonight's show, such as the link to Carl's uh, MySpace page where you can hear some of his music and find out about his upcoming gigs.
3: that's right.
1: And also a link to the Uncensored History of Blues podcast, Mike Rugel show, as well as the Delta Blues Museum. So you can find out more about these options as well if you're a fan of the blues music and you want to make sure that it can keep – you know being taught to music students that it can keep being recognized by musicians coming up cuz we we hear these songs Carl we, we are f- we're familiar with what they're talking about we we know what they're singing but we don't get to hear the original recordings that's true you know, and and
3: and I have uh you know m- most of Robert Johnson's songs on uh MP3 through iTunes and uh, different sources on the internet and they're all you know it, it, all the groups that you're talking about Led Zeppelin and uh, Eric Clapton and Stevie Ray Vaughan and uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, they all credit Robert Johnson as a major influence. Uh, Robert Johnson, to my knowledge, is uh, uh, somebody that uh, has touched almost every form of modern recorded music. Um, Is just so ingrained into... Uh, what we hear today, and everything from pop to blues to jazz to uh, hip hop to uh, mm-hmm. almost anything that you can think of, uh, Robert Johnson has been uh, covered by someone from that genre.
1: So, and, you know, we we know about the idea behind the crossroads, and we'll get into that in a few minutes with Mike Rubel. Mm-hmm. But, and it's been a recurring theme, not just in music, not just in blues music, not just in popular culture of our time. But it goes back generations, and we're going to talk about some of those stories as well. But the the one thing that we want people to understand with this music too is, it it, it needs to be brought into the digital age. Like you said, you've been able to acquire some of these on MP3 through iTunes. I, I'll be honest with you; I get I get most of my music through illegal means. I uh, okay. I download it off the internet by stealing it. And I know, as a musician, you probably don't like that plan. But you know, when when we're coming up with you know stuff bumpers for the show and. Sure. and you know we we grab what we can where we can sure. and uh when i tried to find some of these songs i went to these popular you know peer to peer networks and and tried to find them and they're not there nobody's uploading them to these to these networks and and they're not getting that kind of cuz for a young kid 16 17 year old kid who doesn't really know anything about the blues He's not going to spend his $50 iTunes card downloading Sunhouse and Robert John, a bunch of guys he's never heard of.
3: Probably not.
1: So if you can get that music out there and get it to him to hear for free, I'm on iTunes. I can't even sample these songs. Uh, You know how normal you can click and play and listen to it? You can't even sample these songs on iTunes. So I think that it's actually doing a disservice. It's there. You can get it, but they're not giving you the initiative to go out and, and check it out. That's true.
3: And I heard, heard you mention the uh, Delta Blues Museum. Is mm-hmm. that what it is? Yep. You know, places like that, you can search around that way. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's worth digging for because this stuff is just part of uh, the heritage of uh, African Americans and, and America and musicians and blues and rock. And it's just such a uh, part of, of everybody. Everybody that listens to music and, and people that uh, love music uh, owe uh, a debt of uh, gratitude to these uh, musicians uh, that were uh, brought up in the 20s, and, and born, a lot of them were born in 1890s and, mm-hmm. and in the 20s, and, uh, and a lot of the music, if you can even look back even further into history, uh, um, Go, it goes back to the field hollers that mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the slaves would uh, sing in the fields to uh, lessen the burden and, and entertain themselves and pass the time, and a lot of the rhythmic, you know, tempos and, and uh,
1: uh, songs came from
3: there. Um,
1: and, and not just uh, not just to pass the time as well, but they also uh, based in those songs too, and that's a lot of what point. carried over into the blues the idea of having the the hidden meaning behind what it was that they were singing.
3: Absolutely. So
1: it's it's definitely educational for people to learn. I mean, this is the direct, I guess you could say blues music and the original Delta Blues is the direct descendant of those songs because it's really just one generation removed from those who might have been out in the fields.
3: Absolutely. And how far did that practice carry on into the modern era? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a lot of... uh, people that subscribe to the theory that if you play certain things backwards or certain things were put in songs and recordings on vinyl and otherwise um, to convey a message, albeit not always a positive thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the devil's still reaching us today. And, through, absolutely, uh... and the Beatles were uh, one of the first groups that were um, and uh, uh, other groups as well, Led Zeppelin and others. And Judas uh, Priest. absolutely. So, you know, is there is is that practice carried on? And, and, and you know, what's the uh, you know what's the purpose of that?
1: Now, how did you get into blues music? And, and, and did that at all brush into your interest in the paranormal uh, when you got going? Um,
3: it, it did eventually. I I started playing guitar uh, when I was about nine years old, which, which was. Uh, Back in the (laughs) Woodstock era (laughs) And uh, I originally Got interested in uh, You know the popular music of the day Just to try to learn things But as I developed um, The ability to play chords And put together melodies And and try to sing songs With the guitar uh, I became interested in Rockabilly And early rock and roll Elvis, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis uh, Little Richard Chuck Berry, uh, all those guys, all those great guys Elv- uh, uh, you know all the popular songs of, of the day, and, and to some extent the Beatles and and the Rolling Stones uh, eventually came along, uh, but I think the blues touched something uh, in me. Uh, a little deeper than just the standard uh, one, four, five chord progression, the three chord progression that, um, you know, a lot of those guys made careers out of. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think the blues was something that went a little deeper and it did have some mysticism to it. uh, And and there was a bit of a mystery uh, behind the lyrics and a lot of the people, Robert Johnson in particular, there's not really that much known about him. There's musicians today argue over what tunings he used on what songs
1: i mean it, it is interesting too to to note that uh, some of these stories that have developed around these these characters in in blues history uh, is totally different than who they actually kind of larger than life yet very little is actually known about i mean i'm putting together notes for the show here and i'm looking up lonnie johnson pete we all these guys and i'm right. not finding a whole lot of biographical information outside of born died right. recorded this married this person and there you go.
3: Well, they don't really know. Robert Johnson himself is reported to be buried in three different places, and there's three different eyewitnesses. And, and we're going to get <laughs> so, into all of that stuff.
1: So you know, And it, even what, Matt, Matt Costa, I know that you and I uh, share a, a similar love of the blues, and we kind of both got into it around the same time.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, what was it that kicked it off for you?
2: As far as the blues for me?
1: Yeah, what, what was the first, um, maybe the first recording you heard or the first album you bought that said, hey, let me check this out?
2: The first recording I heard was actually of uh, Robert Johnson, and it was in the um, documentary on the illustrator Robert Crumb. Yep. I don't know if mm-hmm. anybody's ever seen it. He has that extensive rate, uh, record collection, and that's where I first heard it, and that's where it infected me. So, and, and I know that me. you've been yes.
1: after that album ever since. That's you've been so trying to. He he goes to every like Salvation <laughs> Army and yard sale he can, and he's hoping to find that Robert Johnson uh, album. Uh, so far, no luck, though. Nope. Okay.
3: No, no. And Robert Crumb did a fantastic series of uh, illustrations the of, of the blues, the, of the blues yeah. musicians, and it's just an uh, awesome, awesome thing. I have a, a card set of the blues musicians by by Crumb.
1: Nice, Monies. I know you've been into music uh, pretty much your whole life. Was was the blues always part of that?
4: Yeah, a good friend of mine who is uh, now deceased mm-hmm. uh, was uh, one of the people that. Uh, Really affected me with the blues. Um, uh, the people know him as Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I got to meet Stevie years ago uh, in New York, and uh, he talked about all of his influences. And you know, one of the biggest influences he talked about was Belly, and uh, uh, believe it or not, Jimi Hendrix. Now, Jimi Hendrix, uh, who was probably one of Stevie Ray's biggest influences, came up from the blues era. I mean, I, he studied with a lot of the greats and actually, I believe, knew some of those old blues players. And so when Stevie met Jimmy years ago, you know, that was what got him into doing
1: it. I've always said, too, if you if you take away the tie dye and the bandana and the afro and, and some of the, the crazier theatrics, Jimmy Hendrix is just buddy guy. On steroids, maybe, but he's, (laughs) he's, he's, it's essentially, I see where you're going. Yeah. It's the same type of showmanship, the same type of playing style. And, and so it definitely has carried down, uh, in, in terms of music. And what's interesting is that it's also carried down through history in terms of the paranormal as well. And we're telling the same type of stories about music today that we were back then from, you know, Robert Johnson or Tommy Johnson selling their soul to the devil to, the devil penning stairway to heaven and Hotel California and right. not getting his due when, you know whenever uh, the royalty checks come in, nobody writes one for the devil. But uh you know, they they still pay Don Henley and, and uh Glenn Fry and all of them, so Absolutely. I'm sure he'll get his due sooner or later. Eagles, damn you. all right well why don't we take a break and when we come back we will talk with mike rugel of the uncensored history of the blues podcast and we'll also be playing some of these artists and sharing some of the stories and playing us in and out of the breaks all night will be carlston chops wood and matt Moniz is accompanying to strum along as well so stay tuned we'll be right back in just a minute with more of the paranormal blues here on spooky south coast Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor and harmonica player Matt Moniz, is here with us sharing uh, his love of the blues as well as his love of the paranormal. And joining us on the line now is Mike Rugel. He is the host of the Uncensored History of the Blues podcast, which you can check out on purplebeach.com slash blues, that's B-E-E-C-H, or deltabluesmuseum.org, and both are linked up right on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com. Highly recommend it. It was actually Carl that got us interested in the podcast to begin with, and it just, I've got them all on my iPod, and, and they're great. They're, they're just so rich in history, and if you want to learn about this genre of music, it's the perfect place to start. How are you tonight, Mike?
5: I'm doing alright. Thanks for having me on. Great oh, we're, you guys are enjoying the
1: podcast. Oh, we do absolutely. And we love the fact that, uh, when you present this, you're bringing as much information as you can, uh, and you're, you're great about not talking over the music as, as, you know, regular radio DJs would do. And you let the music stand on its own, which as we were talking before with Carl, it's going to be hard for people to find this music digitally, uh, without having to go and drop the money on iTunes and to be able to just experience it and learn about it.
5: Yeah, the podcast is great, and uh, you know the availability of things like iTunes and some other uh, music subscriptions really make my job so much easier, and it's amazing how much more music I can find now from the 20s and 30s than I could have found in the 20s and 30s.
1: What's interesting about it is a lot of this music has entered the public domain, but you can't just get it and use it because you need this, the service that actually charges you the dollar to deliver it to your computer. Yeah. And and do you find uh, that you know when when you're ser- there's some things that you're searching for that you just can't seem to find?
5: Yeah, there's still there's still some things there's still some things that are never released, and a lot of the music that I'm playing is just around because one seventy eight managed to survive, you know, in somebody's attic somewhere, and uh, some guy searching for records managed to come upon it, and it are still available as many as there are, but there's some things that are probably lost forever. And there's some things that just haven't been issued uh, since the initial small release, even if they're by tremendous artists who have managed to have, keep, keep a following for 80, 90 years even.
1: And, and that's what people might not realize, is so many of these recordings were done uh, in, in small studios, and they were a limited release. And I'm sure there was probably a number of these that was just a guy went in and were, you know paid 30 bucks to record a few songs and press some records, and, and whatever made it to the public made it to the public. There was no great widespread distribution like we have today.
5: Yeah, things were things were not well distributed. Um, a lot of these musicians would just go in and they would have a local audition for a scout that happened to live in their part of the country. Uh, there's a guy named H.C. Spear in Mississippi that found a bunch of these guys, and he would record a test pressing, and if he liked it, he would send it up to a label like Paramount Records. And so these guys would either uh, they'd send somebody down for a field trip recording or they'd go up to a studio in... Some of them were in Wisconsin or Indiana or Texas, and so these only musicians would make field trips and record, you know, a session where they might do 10, 20 songs if the label had a lot of faith in them, and they would put it out, and uh, a lot of them were forgotten immediately, and and, and others were hits that uh, managed to sell in urban areas, and a lot of these guys would tour in the South and have to really Promote themselves to get people to go out to buy the records in furniture stores or wherever they happened to be sold in those in those days.
1: Now, what was the audience for for blues music originally? Was it you know just other blacks? Was it a widespread across white and black? Was it or was it kind of just something that was regional to to the people that were in the area of, of the musician who might be making the recording?
5: It was certainly both a black and white audience for the blues, and you hear some some artists like uh, the Mississippi Sheiks, a popular string band. Talk about that, presumably because there was more money available, but a lot of these guys did have uh, exclusive black audiences, and sometimes you'd have a more official engagement playing for a white crowd, at, you know, in some kind of party. Then afterwards, you you'd head with your guitar over to the juke joint and play for the black crowd. And uh, these were touring musicians that would travel around and find different audiences uh, wherever they went. But we're not talking about most of these guys, some of the Mississippi guys, you know, exclusively played in Mississippi, and they would travel around the state. And it's tough to generalize because some of these guys traveled all over the country, and some of them stayed locally and played for their plantation. or played in the nearby towns, and that's it. So it, it was really both.
1: It was kind of like wherever wherever they could get a paid gig, you know. If they, if they could get enough money to go around, they would. And if they couldn't, they stuck close to home so they could work the day job.
5: Absolutely, and I'm sure the folks that are in your studio tonight could tell you that things aren't all that different in terms of some of that thing. <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> now, now, blues has often been referred to as, as the devil's music, and what's kind of the, the, the story behind that term?
5: Well, I think it really comes from, from church folks. And, uh, you know, anything that wasn't uh, gospel music, that wasn't spiritual music, was the devil's music and particularly the folks that would be in church on Sunday morning that would see the folks out listening to the blues and the juke joints on the Saturday night, said, that was really the devil's music. That was the music that sex text So a lot of it just comes from the church, and you see a lot of the blues musicians embracing that, saying, hey, if you're going to say I'm playing the devil's music, I'll go with that.
1: Sure, but a, a number of uh, blues musicians—they played very spiritual themes in their music. Uh, you get songs like John the Revelator. You get songs that are actually, you know, supposed to be uh, spiritual in nature that are just put to a blues beat, and th- that probably angered the church folks just as much, I would think.
5: It did. And you, you mentioned John the Revelator. That uh, Sunhouse recorded that, and he's a guy that was his whole life was torn between the church and the blues. And he went, you know, times he would go decades without playing the blues because he was too attached to his church life. And so he would record songs that he thought were for the Lord, and then he would record songs that, you know, were for the people, for the secular crowd. And it was a conflict for him. But it's amazing how much you can hear that in the in his songs. And he recorded songs like "Preaching the Blues," which. Take blues themes in terms of the church, and he points out some hypocrisies in the church, and he seems at the same time to, to love to love religion and at the same time be attracted to his blues life. And uh, that mix within him is what creates a lot of the power in his music.
1: And, and also one of the greatest voices in, in music, not just blues oh, music, but just in general. So powerful. And uh, I think if I'm if I'm correct, the movie that came out a few years ago, Black Snake Moan, uh, it was actually his recordings that were in that film.
5: Uh, they had some Black Snake Moan had a lot of had a lot of newer recordings too. As I recall they had some Junior Kimbrough in there and Tomorrow Burnside, and uh, I think Samuel Jackson actually sung. Some of the songs uh, that he that he sang in the movie on the soundtrack.
1: The guy can do everything. I wouldn't be surprised.
5: <laughs> He's a talented guy.
1: He's the only guy that can be a blues musician in one movie and a Jedi Knight in another. So, <laughs> now uh, with this idea of it being the devil's music and and looking at the idea of the the crossroads mythology that goes back, uh, I did a little research and it goes back far beyond you know just you know the 20th century and blues music. Uh, it goes back to you know, Europe, India, Greece, uh, Japan, American Indians, they all have these folk at these intersections, uh, demons, ghosts, uh, kobolds, fairies, they they could all converge upon this one spot. Uh, what is it, do you think, about the South and, and the Delta where, you know, these roads were, where these crossroads were that would have carried that tradition through uh, to the blues generation? It's tough to say. A lot of
5: people say... Um think that it's rooted in West African culture, um, but the thing about getting to a crossroads is it's a place where you've got to make a choice, and I think, you know, that's essentially what it comes down to. Are you going to go with the devil, or are you going to go the Lord's way? So I think it comes back to that same conflict between Church and secular.
1: So it was really just a physical representation of that, that metaphysical conflict that was going on.
5: Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, it is so common in multiple cultures that, that like you said, uh, you know, and you guys uh, are the experts on the paranormal, that maybe there is something more to it than, than I'm seeing. But, you know, to me, you know, the crossroads is where you've got you to gotta make a choice.
1: Well, there's there's many other incidents where you know people have made deals with the devil in popular culture. Uh, looking at some of these here, uh, first of all, the first blues reference to it, at least in the research I found, was in 1924. Uh, Clara Smith's done Sold My Soul to the Devil, and My Heart's yeah. Done Turned to Stone.
5: Yeah, you're probably right that that's the earliest one. And I'm not sure how literally to take those songs, but uh, clearly it's in the same tradition as the Faust and all the other
1: cultural stories and things like Washington Irving's uh, the devil and Tom Walker and the devil and Daniel Webster of course that became a movie and has become popular myth in this area where Daniel Webster was prevalent uh, here in the Massachusetts area but um, you mentioned in, in your episode about dealing with the devil on the uncensored history of blues podcast that the devil wasn't always necessarily if it was it was oftentimes uh, a metaphor for something else usually yeah. usually a woman
5: uh, yeah, sure. It's, it's you know, uh, a woman is trouble. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I've yeah. known a few of those myself. Um,
5: we all have, yeah. And uh, so people would use the devil to represent you know anything that that's troubling in their lives. And uh, in the blues, it's going to be a woman more often than anything else. <laughs>
1: But now, you, you know, you've got the idea of the devil already floating in some of these blues songs. And I got a quote here from, from Tommy Johnson, at least in the research that you can find out there attributed to Tommy Johnson. Uh, and he said that if you want to learn how to make songs yourself, you take your guitar and you go to where the road crosses that way, where a crossroads is. Get there. Be sure to get there just a little 412 that night so you know you'll be there. Uh, you have your guitar and be playing a piece there by yourself. A big black man will walk up there and take your guitar and he'll tune it. And then he'll play a piece and hand it back to you. And that's the way I learned to play anything I want. So the idea that you go down there, you hand the, the big black man comes out of nowhere, you hand him your guitar. When he tunes it and gives it back to you, bam, you know, you're instantly talented and can play any song you want. And is that, you know, is oversimplifying uh, Tommy Johnson's skill?
5: Uh, Yeah, probably. (laughs) I suspect Tommy Johnson spent a lot of time practicing and, and learning his craft. Uh, and one of the things to make note of about the Tommy Johnson story is almost everything we know about him came from his brother who was a minister. so again, we're coming back to the church folks assigning the blues folks as being with the devil now if Tommy Johnson himself may or may not have said he told people he sold the soul to the devil, but his brother clearly thought he did now whether that's through his actually going to the crossroads and making the deal or if it's just devil and and his brother uh, extrapolated that he actually went through the physical act of handing his guitar over in crossroads to the big black man. It's tough to say, but once again, you know, he's that conflict between church and blues.
1: But also, I mean, Tommy Johnson's style, and 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 in particular his voice, was a lot different than what people might have been used to at that time.
5: Yeah, Tommy Johnson, uh, you know, is a great performer, and, and he's another guy that you can hear is... Kind of personal demons in his songs, um, in songs like uh, Can't Heat and uh, Big Road Blues. He clearly is a guy that, that puts a lot of his own life, his own troubles into his music, and, and, and that comes through as sounding like demons.
1: We've got a little bit of Can't Heat Blues, so why don't we uh, play that right now? We're going to try to use this show as a, a way to educate our audience. Uh, they're very... Uh, Knowledgeable about the paranormal, but they might not be familiar with this music. So, we're going to keep dropping little snippets of songs throughout the course of the evening just so people can learn what it is we're talking about. So, here is Can't Heat Blues by Tommy Johnson. Can't Heat Blues by Tommy Johnson. And, and Matt have you you've had Can't Heat Blues yourself? You you were telling us the story behind not it.
2: Not not personally. I I can't imagine doing it, but um I guess uh Tommy Johnson the reason that was called Can't Heat Blues was because he used to actually drink Sterna, which is a uh Yeah. yeah. So. yeah it's My, like a little like
5: clock, gasoline, drink I guess. through a
1: strainer. You you ever tried it, Mike?
5: Not me, but I actually have some, some friends that grew up in small towns that apparently said so, it still goes on.
1: I, I guess it was the, uh, the huffing whipped cream of their generation.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's alcohol and basically Vaseline.
1: If you can get by the Vaseline part, then I guess the, the alcohol makes it all good. Now, you were mentioning uh, Tommy's brother Liddell, the minister, who who kind of help perpetrate this story of the crossroads. And I, I was reading also that he, he also, at one point, said so that it didn't happen at a crossroads but in a graveyard as well, and that that had to do with the uh, Ike Zimmerman. Is that somebody that you're familiar with, yeah, the, the person Ike Zinnerman? I
5: think Ike Zimmerman was uh, not a guy that recorded or anything, but he allegedly was a teacher to Robert Johnson and some other folks. I don't know too much about him, though.
1: Well, it's interesting because uh, his name comes up again when talking about Robert Johnson, and we can kind of shift gears a little bit here and talk about Robert Johnson, who's no relation uh, to, to Tommy Johnson. But the idea of, of the crossroads and the deal with the devil really centers around him, mainly because we've kind of let that be the big myth that keeps going in, in pop culture today. But uh, from what I understand, when he started out, he wasn't really that good.
6: Yeah,
5: that's that's the story, that he used to hang around uh, Sunhouse and Willie Brown, who were very accomplished musicians, and they would always say, get this non-playing kid away from me. Don't let him anywhere near the guitar. (laughs) And uh, apparently one time he went away for a while, and the next time he showed up, he could really play. And guys like Sunhouse were uh, amazed at the transformation.
1: Now, I know that, as we said before, Tommy Johnson might have made reference to the deal with the devil during the course of his career, but with Robert Johnson, it wasn't something that he really talked about, right?
5: Yeah, he never explicitly he never explicitly said, I sold my soul to the devil, and I'm not really sure how the Crossroads tale and the, and the selling of the soul to the devil got attached to Robert Johnson as thoroughly as it did, but he did sing about you know, a hellhound being on his trail, and he sang the song, Me and the Devil Blues. So he clearly uh, wasn't afraid of the association with the devil, even if he never explicitly said, I sold my soul to the devil.
1: And, and death kind of seems to be a prevalent theme in some of his music, uh, whether or not it's a metaphorical death or, or what, but it, it definitely seems to be something that was preoccupying his mind.
5: Yeah, there's no question uh
1: and what about this association that I, I read about here, uh, an association with voodoo, and that maybe that might have been part of the reason why he was able to pick up these skills so quickly?
5: Uh, Wean, uh, voodoo and hoodoo. Mm-hmm. Um, hoodoo it was assisted, voodoo is more the fully formed religion that you see in Haiti and some in New Orleans that's uh, pretty much directly from some West African cultures. And... Uh, Voodoo is what you more commonly see in America. That also has some roots in West African cultures, but it's more about charms and some spells. It's not a fully formed religion the way voodoo is. And, uh, and Robert Johnson sang some about voodoo about charms. Uh, he sings about hot foot powder and uh, I think that's in Hell Out on My Trail.
6: Mm-hmm. And voodoo uh, is
5: really uh, prevalent in a lot of blues songs, Um there's a lot of songs about conjuration, about mojo hands, everybody. Here's going down to Louisiana, give me a mojo hand. And, you know, presumably it was a huge part of rural African-American life. And uh, people would go to visit a woman to, for, for fortune-telling, for to cast spells, to find a lover, to hurt somebody, that kind of thing. And it's... Uh, Memphis Minnie sang Hoodoo Lady Blues. Uh, there's really countless songs that include uh, lyrics about
1: hoodoo. And, and a little bit of the research uh, that's been done suggests that maybe it wasn't the devil per se, uh, but Legba, a trickster deity associated with you know, some of these voodoo cults that might have been Americanized as part of this hoodoo, and that this, uh, this trickster god might have been the one that actually made the quote-unquote deal with uh, either of the Johnsons.
5: Yeah, Legba is a West African deity that, as you said, is a trickster, and, and, and he did become to be associated with the devil in America. That's one of the African retentions that kind of become Americanized, and the perception of Legba as a devil. So rather than the devil as the incarnation of evil, it's the devil as a trickster. It's the perception of someone going to meet him at a crossroads.
1: And, and if you do that, you know, it's a little bit less... Uh, ominous as you know, striking that seal, uh, striking that deal of eternal damnation in exchange for a few years of guitar prowess. Because you know uh, Robert Johnson didn't really last too long, and we'll get into that in, in a little bit for sure. But obviously, though, to 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 play the way that he played and to have that type of uh, ability, he had to practice and uh, he had to really learn from somebody. And I know that this Ike Zimmerman 's name came up as somebody who who might have taught him. Knowing the difference between, and, and Carl, you can probably get involved in this too, but between being able to just pick up a guitar and pluck a string, which is about all I can do, and play like Robert Johnson can, I mean, natural ability aside, I mean, is this something that can be done within the course of a year?
3: Well, uh, not by me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, again, I, I started at a very young age and, and to learn chords, and, and but once I discovered that I could read chord graphs, and buy a book, and look at the chord graphs, and, and learn the songs that I wanted to learn. The lessons went out the window, uh, and from there, it's just been an endless stream of listening to vinyl, watching television, watching other guitar players, and, and uh, uh, you know, n- just learning, teaching myself.
1: But these are all you know advantages that you have that Robert Johnson wouldn't have had in his era. Well, one thing we we do know
5: about Robert Johnson is that however else he learned, he clearly listened to a lot of records. Um, Just with hearing his songs, we know he listened to Tommy Johnson. We know he listened to Skip James. We know he listened to P.D. Weastraff. And so, you know, he probably did have a teacher, but he clearly spent a lot of time listening to records. And he really probably was the first generation learning from blues records.
1: All right, well, why don't we play some Robert Johnson? Uh, Matt, I don't know where you got queued up. What do you... What do you want to run for us here? And I know that you're the, at least on the, uh, uh, on the idea of Robert Johnson's music and the paranormal. You're the one that really wants to, to get across the idea of the the devil myth. Yeah, I know you're pushing it because you're watching the clips from Crossroads uh, on YouTube <laughs> with Ralph Macchio and Steve Vai in the final battle there. And I know that you want to keep this legend going. So, what do you recommend, uh, Matt, to to play uh, here for the for the folks to learn?
2: Good old. Uh, Hellhound on my trail
1: all right, and of course the the title of the book by R. Gary Patterson, uh, who will be joining us uh, sometime in the future. I spoke to him this week and, and he was really excited about this program, but he's he's a little bit busy tonight. He wanted to get the chance to come on and talk with Mike and talk with Carl and so we'll have to bring him back uh, when he becomes a little bit more available but so Hellhound on Our Trail by Robert Johnson.
7: Day, we a and tomorrow we're day. Oh, wouldn't we have a time day? I would need my little sweet rider just to pass the time away. Oh, oh to pass the time away. You spank on hard. Huh? See
1: Good thing I had so many harmonicas. And Carl brought in all of his as well. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and Carlson Chopswood. And we are talking about the paranormal blues. We have Mike Rugel on the line from the Uncensored History of Blues podcast. You can find direct links to that podcast on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com. And uh, we actually have a caller on the line who has a question uh, for Mike or Carl or whoever might be able to answer it. So why don't we go right to that? Good evening, around Spooky South Coast. How you doing?
8: Hey, good. A- a great show. Um, really you. love the blues. Um, you know, Robert Johnson leaving and then coming back and being able to play all this stuff. And how did it happen? Was he did he really meet the devil? You know, that's the, that's the folklore. Um, I guess I, you were talking a little bit about Tommy Johnson, who isn't as well-known as Robert Johnson, but I've heard a little bit of his music. And there's there's one song, I don't know the name of it, but he plays a lick in there, which is the exact same lick that um, Hubert Sumlin plays in, uh, on Smokestack Lightning. Now, it, I think Tommy Johnson was back in the late 20s and then kind of electrified when... Um, Holland Wolf come up to Chicago and Hubert Sumlin plays the same exact lick, and it's a famous guitar lick, and it was just electrified. And you know, after hearing it acoustically, I said, "Geez, that's the same lick I've been that I always liked." And now, now I know where he got it from.
1: Mike, you know, uh, you know that lick. Mike, you still there? We might have lost Mike. Okay, well, Matt Koss, I see you're trying to do a little research there. Have you come up with an answer? Uh,
2: It's Cool Drink of Water Blues. Okay.
1: So there you go. I mean, you can try that out. Cool Drink of Water Blues by Tommy Johnson.
8: Well, that might be it, then.
1: All right. And uh, like I said earlier in the program, though, it's hard to find these things online. So Yeah. I mean, hopefully uh, when we get Mike back on, we'll see if uh, maybe he's played it in one of his podcast editions of The Uncensored History of the Blues, and we can point you in that direction.
8: Yeah. Can you ask him one more thing? It is My favorite guitar player, um, Blues Guy, actually, he's a Chicago guy. He's a little later. He's not as well known. It's called Magic Sam. Mm. He's yeah. a guitar player. Just Can you ask him a little bit about him? If he knows anything about him, he died a young guy.
1: Sure, we can definitely I, do that. I, I think he All died right, in
3: 1969. You. Actually, Magic Sam, um, really great one of one of the uh, great blues guitar players. I'm not really sure uh, too much on the uh, on the death end of it, but Hubert Sumlin, who uh, the caller was asking about, played with both um, played with both Howling Wolf and uh, Muddy Waters for for quite some time. Actually, still out playing, I believe. Um, and uh, they say that Muddy Waters was the bridge between the Delta Blues and the Chicago Electric Blue, Chicago Electric Blues because mm-hmm. he came up there. So it's very well, uh, you know, a high probability that Hubert someone, you know, got the lick from uh, the Delta Blues. I'm and just carried and it up. Tommy Johnson way. and those guys. Tommy Johnson was actually quite popular in his day. Uh, if you look up on the Internet, you can see that he was a, a, a great performer. Uh, he, he had a great vocal range. Uh, he did a lot of stage antics. He could play between his legs, play b-
1: over his head. Robert Johnson was pretty much w- unknown. What, what The difference, though, is, is Robert Johnson had a little bit longer of a career in the public eye. I, I mean, Tommy Johnson, both these guys, there's brief recording history for them, Uh, but I know that Tommy Johnson only really sat down in a couple of sessions and and laid out everything that he laid out. Right. Robert Johnson, I think, uh, uh, was, from what I understand, is when the
3: Newport Folk Blues Festival brought some of these blues guys up north here in uh, 1960 and 61 and put them on stage, it just blew people's minds. And some of the record companies went scrambling for things, and and I think it was 60 or 61 that Robert Johnson's uh, album became commercially available, and just that's where it really started. That
1: influenced Eric Clapton and the Yardbirds and that generation, and then Clapton becomes a guitar god. They ask him, you know, who does he attribute it to? He mentions Robert Johnson, and then boom, it just goes from there. And then, of course, Cream records Crossroads, Yes. uh, the adaptation of Crossroad Blues, Uh, so... Why don't we uh, play out with that, Matt, into the commercial break? Uh, How about a few seconds of Crossroad Blues? When we come back, we'll talk more about the paranormal and the blues here on Spooky South Coast.
0: I got my mojo working, but it just don't work. I got my mojo working, but it just don't work on me.
1: Welcome back to Spooky South Coast, the Paranormal Blues edition of Spooky South Coast. Here, celebrating Black History Month, and we apologize for waiting until the last two hours of the month, but we had to make sure that we could get Carl in the studio. and And Carl, you have any gigs coming up? Or no? <laughs> so, if you'd like to hire Carl, you can go to his uh, website. And...
3: We're putting stuff together. You've know, been playing out for a long, lot, long time in a lot of years. We were playing up at Huckleberry's Chicken House once uh, every six weeks, but they
1: closed. That happens a lot at Huckleberry's Chicken House. That's right. It doesn't really I mean, stay open for too long. I should so, write a blues tune about that. <laughs> so, but you, you are looking for gigs then, so if anybody's sure. interested in acquiring your services, Absolutely. they can contact you how? Paranormally. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have an email. Or? website.
3: You can go through uh, MySpace uh, Phantom Paranormal or you can go through MySpace uh, uh, Carlston Wood. And uh, shoot me an email or Indeed. drop a line or whatever you want. And, you want to uh, get a hold
1: of him, you can always email us Spooky Crew at spookysouthcoast.com. We'll pass it on as well. Uh, we see Carl quite often. Yeah. So, uh, and if you would like to uh, get involved in in blues music, I very much appreciate that. Uh, the last thing we need is to see something so great as the blues music kind of die out. As a lot of you know, the the older blues crowd is dying off, but there's a great groundswell of young blues artists that are coming up. Uh, Absolutely. Chris Thomas King, who played Tommy Johnson, or, or a character named Tommy Johnson, mm-hmm. and uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and, and a lot of these great guys. There's a, an excellent show if you have... What do we have, Matt? Verizon cable? We've both got the same cable. Yep. Yeah. All right. If you have Verizon Fios... Go to the Smithsonian Channel, and they're running a great uh, series on On Demand right now about the history of black music, and there's a couple of episodes that really get in-depth about the blues, and not only do they tell the stories behind them, but they have a lot of great performances as well, so you want to check that out uh, for an opportunity to learn a little bit more. Uh, Matt Moniz, I know that Todd Sheets uh, during the break yeah. of, uh, of Night Watch Radio, and that he has an event coming up in our neck of the woods.
4: Yeah, he wants us to mention, you know, the Lizzie Borden event that he's got coming up, and the USS Salem. There's only a couple of places left on the USS Salem going for the uh, 27th and 28th. Great battleship, beautiful. Uh, uh, Battleship to go investigating with. I'll be there with them. And uh, anybody interested in those events, go to NightwatchersEvents.com.
1: And they always put on a great a great event with a very reasonable price.
4: Yeah, Todd's always very reasonable price. I mean he he really cuts it as low as he can. Just to make the events happen, to yeah. The there's, people. there's like
1: no profit involved with Night Watchers. It's all, yeah, you know, it's, breaking down these investigations for the affor- affordable for the investigator.
4: Right, and I'm gonna be there. Uh, there's probably gonna be, a, you know, spring on people, but these are usually great events, and I love working with him. And he's always been a good supporter of our, our events and us. So yeah, he's a great, and
1: he's just a great guy. Yeah. And how often do you get to hang out with a guy who's actually a horror movie? Writer, director, and, and this guy can tell you zombie stories uh, that you wouldn't believe in, and he knows a lot of hot chicks. So, yeah, he does. There's, <laughs> there's so many reasons to hang out with Todd, but uh, the one bad thing about him coming up in, in our neck of the woods, no jack-in-the-box for him.
4: Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: Poor guy. There, there used to be one <laughs> in like Hull, but it closed. <laughs> <and> <laughs> probably better, because from what I've heard, Todd wouldn't have wanted to eat at that one. So, All right, and uh, one little thank you for me. I want to say thank you to uh, the Fairhaven High School uh, media team there who had me in for their Blue Devil broadcast uh, yesterday. We got to talk about some Fairhaven hauntings, and we got to talk a little bit about some stuff around the South Coast, and I thank them for having me on the program. And that was uh, I was interviewed by the future morning show host here at WBSM, son of, of Pete Braley, Doug Braley. Uh, he did a great job, and, and they promised us that we we're going to be able to get in there and do an investigation maybe at some point. So hopefully that pans out. And also uh, just a, a note for those listening uh, who may be familiar a familiar voice on the ABC Citadel airwaves, Paul Harvey, uh, passed away earlier today at the age of 90. So uh, Paul Harvey, who was famous for the rest of the story, uh, he is no longer with us. He has passed on. He was uh, at the time of his death. So he has uh, gone on to the to the airwaves in the sky. And we say thank you to Paul Harvey for the, the many years uh, and the very, very familiar voice that we will all miss. So, but now getting back into tonight's topic, Paranormal Blues, and we we're talking with Mike Rugel, who is the host of the Uncensored History of the Blues podcast, which you can get uh, from his website, which is purplebeach.com slash blues, and that's B-E-E-C-H, or deltabluesmuseum.org and definitely go to the Delta B- Blues Museum website, find out more, you can get to both of those sites through spookysouthcoast.com right on the front page, and there's still time to place your vote for the poll, right, Mac? How many, uh, what's, what's the tally Have you? Have you got it up there? Um, I don't. Where, the poll question tonight for tonight's program is, who is more likely to sell their soul to the devil? Robert Johnson, Tommy Johnson, or our own science advisor, Matt Moniz. <laughs> Matt Moniz, if you sold your soul to the devil for your harmonica skills, I'd ask for a <laughs> refund. <laughs> but uh, definitely get involved with that poll. We're going to be doing one. Matt says he's going to post one up before every week's show. Uh, so there you go. You get the tallies up there?
2: Moniz has 83% of the
1: votes. 83% of the votes for Matt Moniz.
3: Wow. It's the economy. <laughs> so you're going to come back next week and just is going to be amazing. I think he's pretty good being too hard on him. I think he's, actually, uh, I'm just I old, think he's pretty good. Uh, I'm
1: used to. Carl, oh, you can
3: hire both of us out <laughs> for a gig. All Carl, of us, Carl, actually.
1: you know the show. You know how the show goes. We crack on Moniz. <laughs> that that's right, what we do here. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, uh, we, we did uh, – Get a call uh, while you were off the air from there, and and uh, we hopefully answered the the gentleman's question about the Tommy Johnson riff that appeared in the Smokestack Lightning by Howlin' Wolf, and and it was the Cool Drink of Water Blues, and I know that you said that that's one of your your favorite songs by him.
5: Yeah, it's a great Tommy Johnson song. Uh, I have to go back and listen to, me to check out the riff compared to Smokestack Lightning.
1: Do you think? I mean, I'm not trying to tell you how to. How to do your show here, but do you think that's something you could do a whole podcast on? It's just some of these original ideas that kind of transferred into newer songs later on.
5: Oh yeah, I mean that could be that could be a whole another podcast that could go
1: on. We'll we'll call it the transferable history of the blues. <laughs> now we were talking or about how I ripped
4: the blues off.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm kidding. I mean, oh. Uh... I have to say the one uh appreciation that I had of recent music uh paying homage to the blues was uh Nas uh Matt, what was Nas father's name? Uludar. Yeah. And and he had that great uh song where he actually, you know, paid homage to his father's music and, and got that involved and I actually know a few people that went back and listened to blues music based on that song, so
5: Yeah, Uladar is a tremendous musician that can play the blues and can play absolutely anything he wants.
1: Well, uh, and, you know, who else was like that, and I didn't realize was a, an accomplished blues man until I watched that Smithsonian special, was, uh, was Ike Turner.
5: Oh, yeah, Ike Turner's from Clarksdale, Mississippi, uh, home of the Delta Blues Museum. And he is absolutely can play anything he wants. Unbelievably talented songwriter, instrumentalist, producer, everything.
1: Now, I know in Clarksburg they have the crossroads that they promote as being the crossroads, but there's, there's also one in Memphis, too. Which one are you subscribing to as being the official crossroads?
5: Uh, the, the 61 and 49 in, in Clarksville are ones that they that they like to promote as, the you know, the blues crossroads. Um, you know, I don't know there's any evidence for one crossroads being any more historically important to the blues than any other. Um, some people talk about other Mississippi Delta crossroads uh, Yellow Mississippi. being the more important ones by Dockery Plantation, where Charlie Patton uh, lived, uh, a bunch of different ones. I don't know. Go see them all.
1: Well, well, we'll be out of the studio right around midnight, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab Matt Costa's guitar here, and I'm going to go out to the crossroads of uh, of Route 6 and, and uh Neck Road, and I want to see if I can hang out there, because I'll tell you, man, I can't play for crap. And uh, part of it is the short, stubby sausage fingers, but if, uh, if I have to sell my soul, I might not be willing to go that far. Now, but we were talking about Robert Johnson, and actually, for a, a guy who uh, has developed this – idea of this mythology around his life and around his skills, there's a lot of questions surrounding his death as well, isn't thats is that accurate?
5: Yeah, it's, uh, it's still not clear how, how he died, it's not even clear where he's buried, there's a couple different competing spots, um, but the most common story is that he was a murder owner whose wife, Robert Johnson, may or may not have been sleeping with, uh, and he was allegedly poisoned when playing a uh, gig at a, at a local party the juke joint owner slipped him some whiskey and uh, got him sick and before long he was barking like a dog apparently for the next couple days with sickness and then he uh, died
1: now is there any truth to the to the story about uh, about Sonny Boy Williamson telling him not to drink from an offered bottle
5: uh, a lot of that comes from uh, from the blues musician honey boy Edwards who was one of the Few, uh contemporaries built that um, that was around forever, and uh I don't know if it's the only answer I can give you um, supposedly there's some stories that Sonny Boy Williamson was there and stories that honey Boy Edwards were there um, I certainly uh don't reject that that those possibilities and it's uh, I just don't know what to believe it's hard to come to any any conclusions or really an even firm beliefs on on what happened with robert johnson
1: and what i was reading about i like the the imagery of that story of of Sonny boy knocking the bottle out of his hand saying don't ever drink out of an offered bottle which is really good advice for anybody to follow and and then robert johnson picks up the bottle and says don't ever knock a bottle out of my hand for uh, for, for somebody who's uh, been built into a, a mythology into a mythos uh, of a figure that's just a great way to look at it ending not great it, because he yeah. died but i mean just a a, a, a climactic ending uh, but what what's going on with his grave? There's a lot of controversy surrounding where he might be buried.
6: Yeah, there's, a, there's, a,
5: there's basically, I think, down to two at this point uh, competing uh, spaces in Mississippi. Um, and I wish I could remember exactly where they're both located, but I, I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, but there's more than one place claiming to be Robert Johnson's burial site.
1: And uh, why don't we uh, close out our our segment on Robert and Tommy Johnson? Matt, you want to play "Me and the Devil Blues"? Have we played that one? Which one? Have we played them all? Nope, not yet. All right, why don't we play "Me and the Devil Blues"?
7: Early this morning, when you knocked upon my door. Ooh, when you knocked upon my
6: door,
7: and I said, "Hello, Satan, I believe it's time to go." Me and the devil was walking side by side. For walking side by side And I'm going to be my woman Until I get sad I, ooh, that you would dog me round. It must have been that old evil spirit so deep down in the ground. I don't care why you bear my body when I'm dead, and you know. You may bear my body. Ooh, down by the highway side. So my own evil spirit can catch a on bird.
1: You know Robert Johnson and and Carl. We were talking uh, while that was playing, and you were saying one of the gentlemen who is kind of keeping the blues alive is is John Mayer. And because he's doing that, we'll forgive him. Your body is a wonderland, and all that <laughs> other all the stuff that gets him on the radio station two doors down. Uh, <laughs> but it, the fact that he is keeping the blues alive. And and Mike, I can imagine that you get a lot of support with the podcast from you know the blues musicians that are out there. That you know they're not. They're a lot like these artists were in their day that you play on the podcast. They're not really played for a national audience, but that they have that dedication and they have that passion for the music.
5: Yeah, it's tough to make a living playing the blues, so you, you have to love
1: it. Which I guess is good, because then it gives you... <laughs> if everybody was rich and famous, then uh, they wouldn't really have the blues anymore. Different kind of blues, at least. I don't know what to spend my money on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether I want a heart-shaped pool or a kidney bean-shaped. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to get too too far off. But now, sticking with the theme of the Johnsons, and it seems to be, I don't know, maybe a maybe a name that uh, carries a lot of paranormal weight in blues music, but Lonnie Johnson, who, uh, just as Tommy and Robert were no relation, Lonnie is not related to the rest of them. Uh, and he's probably best known to musicians as the, the first to play the single-string guitar solos. Uh, but he also had a long history compared with Robert and and Tommy Johnson. uh, This guy, Lonnie Johnson, he recorded for a long time.
5: Yeah, Lonnie Johnson was around into the 60s, so he made a lot of recordings. um, Probably a a lot more popular in his day than uh, Robert or Tommy, too. Um, Lonnie Johnson, extraordinary, another very versatile musician. uh, You know, played some great blues records, but also recorded with uh, Duke Ellington and recorded with Louis Armstrong. So a very versatile guy
1: and the devil kind of popped up quite a bit in his music as well. Yeah, you know, he was a
5: he was a city guy. He was from New Orleans, unlike most of the other guys we've been talking to are from rural Mississippi and he used the devil in a, in a few songs. And I think he's I think he's a little more clear in using it in a metaphorical way.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and using it as a metaphor for what?
5: Uh for for for, for trouble, for in, for life. Um mm-hmm. One of the, one of the I think of the lyrics I quoted in my podcast, which I love uh, from the song uh, "Devil's Got the Blues." Um, Lonnie Johnson sang, "The Blues is like the devil. It comes on you like a spell. It will lose your heart full of trouble and your poor mind full of hell. But you know it's, it's the pain in your life. it's the blues.
1: Oh well, why don't we play that song for the, for the listeners? Uh, devil Got the Blues" by Lonnie Jones.
9: Good morning, blues, why have you been so long? Good morning, blues, why have you been so long? I just stop by the leave, you never worries to last you while I'm gone.  ¶ ¶ my, my brains is cloudy, my soul is upside down ¶¶¶ My brains is cloudy, my soul is upside down ¶¶¶ When I get that low down feeling ¶¶¶ I know the blues must be somewhere close around ¶¶ The blues is like the devil, it comes on you like a spell. The blues is like the devil, comes on you just like a spell. Blues will leave your heart full of trouble. Right,
1: Lonnie Johnson, Devil's Got the Blues and... And, you know, using the devil as a metaphor is something that is even still done today, uh, Mike, in in music. And, you know, we hear songs like Hotel California, which talks about the beast. And we just, I mean, metal music, you know, heavy metal music, they talk about the devil all the time. And they're not, you know, if you look at something like... uh, But when you look at something like, uh, you know, The Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden, you know, they're not promoting pro-devil music, but they're talking about it as the same type of thing. It's a a continuation of the theme as the devil being representative of all the negative forces that are out there.
5: Yeah, and I think it's uh, for metal guys and for blue guys, the blues guys is really a way to be uh, subversive to the mainstream and uh, for the blues musicians particularly to the church.
1: It, It. at some point, though, there had to have been a, a, a bridging of that gap between the blues and the church, because, you know, nowadays, so often they'll use blues genre to, to get more church into people.
5: Well, they've always had a lot of common, and, uh, you know, there's always been a lot of crossover, you know, and that's kind of where the tension comes from, that it's, it, that you know, some of the same folks that were at the juke joints on Saturday night or in church on Sunday morning, and mm-hmm. there's always been that tension.
1: I mean, guys like Kirk Franklin and, and uh-huh. even some of these churches, uh, some of these spiritualist churches and some of these Baptist churches, they're not afraid to, to perform hymns in a blues style to kind of you know sell a more mainstream version of, of what it is that they're trying to preach.
5: Some of the music is absolutely identical between gospel and the blues.
1: And of course, you know the the best friend that the that gospel ever had was Elvis Presley, and he grew up listening to a lot of these blues. Uh, so it's clearly, their style had to.
5: No. Yeah,
1: Elvis. Uh, Sorry, go ahead.
5: Elvis uh, grew up listening to you know uh, uh, blues guys in his neighborhood like uh, like Arthur Big Boy Crudup, and uh, and also to, to to white church music, and that's. That's what came out of rock and roll.
1: You know, it's amazing, too, uh, speaking of Elvis, for a guy who was so influenced by this music and for somebody who had that, quote-unquote, black voice that could be brought to a white audience. He kind of stayed away from the blues.
5: It was always always somewhere within his music. Um, But, you know, in in the the early uh, Sun recordings in Memphis, uh, definitely have a strong blues foundation
1: to Mm -hmm. them. And, uh, you know, once you start moving into Graceland and and driving pink Cadillacs, (laughs) it's kind of a hard sell uh, to play the blues after that. But, I mean, everybody has something in their life that, you know, there's a blues song that they can identify with, uh, a situation that's come about. And, I mean, I know for me growing up uh, when I heard some of these artists, you know, my dad playing, you know, Almond Brothers, uh, it had that just that overall blues feel to it. And it became just natural for me to go back and, as Carl was talking about earlier, just kind of regress back uh, to where the roots came from that. And now, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, I start listening to more roots music. And it's funny because that's speaking to me more than popular music, more than current music. And we're talking about stuff that's 60, 70, 80 years old.
5: Yeah, well, it's it's great music, and it's the answer to the time. Now, people.
1: Getting back to Lonnie Johnson, and th- this is something that I find interesting. Being uh, more of a ghost guy than anything, when it comes to the paranormal, he actually made a number of recordings that reference ghosts, uh, and particularly the the blue ghost. It seemed to be something that haunted him. You know, no pun intended. Uh, now, in your studies of uh, Lonnie Johnson, is the blue ghost kind of a metaphor as well? I mean, I know the the songs sound very literal, talking about an actual ghost but i mean is was it kind of a metaphor because i'm thinking blues blue ghost like kind of like it's he was haunted by the blues almost
6: yeah
5: um i think that's i think what you're getting at uh nails it um also reasonable to, to, to consider in a literal way that he's actually talking about uh something in the paranormal or beyond it's uh you know, blues songs are about anything in life, and if these guys were experiencing something involving the paranormal, it's it's certainly reasonable to think it would show up in a song like Blue Ghost.
1: And, and Carl, I'm sure there's been many investigations that have made you sing the blues at Absolutely. some point. Absolutely. Well, we've actually had a couple
3: of, uh, actually one particular investigation that was uh, client confidential where we had uh, been uh, requested to uh, particularly do EVP work around a particular piano.
1: Okay. And so we, we actually remember where
3: we we were. Did you play it, or was it? Well, they had asked they had asked us when we had gone to this particular location to listen for the piano. Now you remember? The, I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was yeah. I was there. I was there. So music in the parliament. And how many times? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if uh, anybody that we know with the with the EVP work has uh, come up with uh, music, but I'm I'm sure I've heard of it before.
4: Yes, uh, that that has happened on a number of occasions.
1: I was saying uh, to to Matt Cost earlier this week that I'd love to go down to to Clarkdale and go to the crossroads and bring a tape recorder and kind of see what happens, you know, because if if this is the place where where these deals occur, it wasn't just Tommy Johnson, it wasn't just Robert Johnson. There were other people, uh, people who weren't necessarily maybe blues musicians. There were people who went down there uh, to make these deals and maybe there's some regret about that and maybe there's a a good chance of capturing some sort of activity there i mean it's just one of those places that it's 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 fun to talk about to go down there and document it but also i'd like to just get on the back of a bike and drive down there and just hang out and absorb that culture and the history of it too but if we can use the paranormal to learn about history folks then we're doing our job
5: there's still lots of great music going on in Mississippi, so if you can make it out down there, visit the Delta Blues Museum. I'd recommend it to anyone.
1: Now, are you local to, to Mississippi? or?
5: No, I'm I'm in D.C., uh, but I get down there periodically.
1: And I know that uh, uh, Morgan Freeman actually is a co-owner of a club right there in Clarksdale?
5: Yeah, yeah, a place called Ground Zero. Uh, it's a uh, restaurant called uh, Mahiti that's right there. And he's uh, he's a Mississippi Delta guy, so he went back to his roots and uh, opened up a couple of little businesses.
1: And I know that uh, I, I was recently reading too about Buddy Guy in Chicago opening a club, uh, his own club there, where he's going to be playing pretty much exclusively. So he's that... actually
5: owned clubs uh, for years, Buddy Guy. Um, he used to own the Checkerboard Lounge back in the '70s.
1: And and we could get into the whole. Uh, eventually, someday we'll we'll do a show. Uh, I don't know how we can tie it into the paranormal, but we'll find a way to do a show about more in depth history of the blues and and the record companies yeah. that were involved and all this. That's just because it, it's something that I feel, if we've got the forum here, if we've got the Saturday night airtime, I think it's uh, we can impress upon. The I get a way to do so. it.
4: When we get a hold of another great blues uh, aficionado who is also heavily into the paranormal, who's that? Dan Aykroyd.
1: Oh, that's true. That's and he's true. local. Yeah, we uh, we've been working on on trying to get him in here in the Spooky Studio. I'm not That's, just going to well, settle to talk to him on the phone. We'll fly him over from the from the vineyard. We'll have him come over, and, <laughs> and uh, Carl will go pick him up in the he, in the van. He just
3: opened up the uh, new House of yeah. Blues he, up uh, behind Fenway Park in Boston, and uh, he was on the news last night. He's promoting a uh, new wine
5: from his own vineyard. I think well, that House from, of Blues in Boston is like the only one that actually regularly books blues acts. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's that's the sad thing about it is the House of Blues is pretty much that and uh and there's a place in Hyannis called Harry's where if you yeah. go in there on a on a Thursday night in the summertime you might run right. into Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Uh but really that's all we have up in in this neck of the woods. I know even in D C my aunt lives outside of D C. At least you've got a few clubs down there. Uh but we're we're down to next to nothing up this way.
5: Yeah, there's not as many as there used to be here either.
1: Although we do have a B.B. B. King's uh, in one of the local casinos. That's so Whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's, you got to pay casino drink prices. But <laughs> you can still go there and hear some blues. All right, well, before we leave Lonnie Johnson out, why don't we play uh, some some, uh, some Blue Ghost Blues?
10: I feel myself sinking down Mm -hmm. I feel myself sinking
6: down
10: My body is freezing I feel something cold creeping around My windows are rattling my doorknob turning round and round. My windows is rattling. My doorknob turning round and round. This haunted house blues is killing me. I feel myself sinking down. I've been fastening this haunted house. Six long months today, I've been fastening it long months today, the blue ghost has got the house around it, loud and I can't get away. They got shotguns and pistols. Standing all round my door They got shotguns and pistols. Standing all round my door They haunt me all night long So I can't sleep no more The blue ghost haunt me all night The nightmare rides me all night long. The blue ghost haunts me at night. The nightmare rides me all night
1: long. Blue Ghost Blues by Lonnie Johnson. And Matt Moniz, you picked up on it. And that one there, too, and at least in that one. There's other songs like Haunted House and, and where they get really uh, more in-depth in the paranormal, but you picked up on what one of the references of Blue Ghost" might be.
4: Yeah, it's referring to the Blue Ghosts surrounding the house with shotguns and pistols being police because most of the people in the blues were having trouble and, of course, running from the law.
1: I'm sure, Mike, uh, I, I know you've done a couple episodes on the law uh, and, and how they relate to the blue, blues music as well.
5: The blues catch shotguns and pistols. It, uh, it
1: uh, makes a lot of the sense in the world. And uh, Carl, while that was playing, you, you were talking about a a Robert John. Uh, Malted milk. Malted milk.
3: The last line, last stanza.
1: Matt, you want to read that to everybody, or, or Carl? Do you know it? Do you no, want? No, I can't read it from here. Okay. But I, know. I don't know if you know it. You know, if you wanted to play it, but Matt, we'll let you read the lines to everybody.
2: It's uh, my door knob keeps turning. It must be spooks around my bed. My doorknob keeps turning. Must be spooks around my bed. I have a warm old feeling, and the hair rising on my head.
1: So there you go. You drink malted milk and you have a paranormal experience. <laughs> so, but I mean, we see these these lines pop up in in these songs. And Mike, can you kind of make an inference as to what uh, you know the blues musicians of that time, what their beliefs might have been uh, regarding the idea of ghosts? I know that you know with hoodoo, they're kind of tied into that idea of. The spirits of the deceased being all around us but i mean do we hear spook stories coming out of this music
5: uh i think you know it's tough to generalize on the beliefs of all these guys because i suspect mm-hmm. they believe a lot of different things but you know you probably just got me thinking about that about how often these ghost motifs do show up and there are a few other songs that that are just was thinking about it as a black ghost blues by a woman named Marlene Johnson. I think Lightning Hopkins actually recorded a song called Black Ghost Blues. Um, and I think that exposure to, to ghosts or to spirits of some kind were probably something that was discussed in the communities where, where these people lived, so it showed up in songs. And I think sometimes it's as simple as that. What, what you see in the life shows up in the songs.
4: Well, there might be a, a theory I might be able to help clarify with that. Now, a lot of people, you know, w- wouldn't want to live in a haunted house. So these houses are, you know, left vacant. And these people with less money, they're they're taking whatever they can get for shelter. So if you're holed up in a, a place that nobody else wants to be in because it's haunted, you know, you're going to get these little bumps in the night and pieces of experience that you can uh, add to your music because it's part of what your life is living.
1: I can see that. All right, well, why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the high sheriff of hell, Petey Wheatstra, and uh, we'll also play some more songs that we've got in the old iPod regarding paranormal blues, which is our theme tonight here on Spooky South Coast, in honor of Black History Month. We'll talk more with Mike Rugel of the Uncensored History of the Blues podcast. And, of course, we have Carlton Wood here to play us in and out of the breaks. And, and he's a, a blues man from way back from the Woodstock era. When everybody else was taking the bad brown acid, he That's was right. turning on the Robert Johnson. So we'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
0: Yeah took me so long to find
1: out All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Magic Dick, <laughs> and Carlson Chops. That's an actual name of an uh, actual harmonica player, folks. I know. I know you know, but I'm worried about the audience. And uh, Carlston Chopswood is here as well, and we're talking with Mike Rugel of the Uncensored History of the Blues, and uh, we're talking about the Paranormal Blues in honor of Black History Month, and Mike, I mentioned earlier in the show uh, Chris Thomas King, who, who played uh, Tommy Johnson in the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou, but also we talk about the connection between blues music and hip-hop, and he's somebody that's kind of bringing that hip-hop influence and, and mixing it with the blues in some of his songs.
5: Yeah, Chris Thomas King has done a lot of that. He—he's uh, probably 15 years ago already. He put an album called called a uh, 21st Century Blues from the Hood, uh, where he rapped over over blues guitarists, basically. Um, and his uh, Chris Thomas King is the son of a uh, Tabby Thomas, a great uh, Baton Rouge area blues musician. So he's deeply rooted in the blues and uh, his experiments. Have
1: he might have made a deal with the devil too, because he still looks like he's 17 years old. <laughs> he found that eternal fountain of youth but one artist that I think would uh, have a, a great impact on the hip hop uh, crowd if they paid attention to him is P. D. WeeStraw because he has that kind of hip hop bravado, you know, bragging about himself type uh tone to his music.
5: Yeah, and um you know, actually you can find a pretty clear um uh, path to hip hop from P. D. wheatstraw in that uh Rui Ray Moore, the uh, the great seventies uh, well, more than seventies, but great comedian and black exploitation actor actor actually made a movie called uh Petey Wheatstraw. Hmm. It's one of the it's not it's not quite as great as his uh, classic Dolomite. But uh Petey Wheatstraw hmm. is another great black exploitation movie where he rhymes and he raps and it's really uh, one of the forerunners of hip hop and it's taken directly from the Petey Wheatstraw legend.
1: Well, of course, the P.D. Weistr is a, a kind of a character uh, created by by William Bunch, and uh, tell people about his story because it's it's really interesting to me from somebody who was already thinking you know marketing back in the 1930s.
5: Yeah, he was a he was a piano player and singer that recorded in the 1930s. Um, very popular, you know, in his time, sold you know countless more records than a guy like Robert Johnson, and he called himself. The Devil's Son-in-Law, and he called himself the High Sheriff from Hell. And he took that idea that, hey, if you people are going to tell me I'm playing the devil's music, we're going to go with it. And he sang songs like, uh, you know, called The High Sheriff from Hell, and and he uh, really embraced it in every single way. And it's in a lot of his records, nothing to do with uh, the devil or with evil of any kind, it would say on the label uh, recorded by The High Sheriff from Hell
1: and to be able to to develop that type of you know persona it's, it's kind of like something akin to like ziggy stardust and david bowie now where you know it might be something that's kind of far removed from their own personality but you can be whoever you want to be in this music and from all accounts i mean was this something that he kind of lived this character or was it just something that he did in his recording and his performing uh,
5: you know i think it it was essentially a a character that that he created for performance and i don't i don't think I don't think we know really enough about his outside life to see how far it stretched uh, beyond that. Mm -hmm. But there's some debate about whether he took an already existing kind of a folk hero, anti-hero character and took on that persona himself or if people – because the name Teddy Weastrow shows up. I mentioned the Rudy Ray Moore movie. It shows up in a Ralph Ellison novel. And uh, it's not clear whether the call came from him or if he took something that was already existing. But nobody's found anything using the same Petey Wheatstraw from prior to his recording career. So it seems like it's probably his invention.
1: Oh, we have some Petey Wheatstraw that we can play for the listeners out there. Uh, why don't we play the the aforementioned devil's son-in-law? Because, uh, you know, if, if you're going to be the devil's son-in-law, I'm just going to guess that the devil was actually his mother-in-law. <laughs> Not that I would say that about my own mother-in-law. I love her like a mother. All right. Before I get in any more trouble, uh, either play Devil Son-in-Law or just go right into Ernie Cato Because either way, I'm screwed. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, but I wouldn't in
11: my mouth Maybe now i made my life a ruin. Ah, now what I wouldn't baby. I've never made my life a wrap. I never really have a rap I didn't wrap it around my nerves. When you used to love me down my mouth, I would go hand down to my nerves. When you used love me, please i go clear down to my door. I wear another window, I love you, my mouth. Honey, now I don't know, but I didn't know. Now I've got 11 women. And I've got wounded in your world. I said, I've got 11 women. And I got wounded in the school. Well, well, now the next time you see me, well, I'm about to be the devil's son and Lord. He for me one time, bigger than I wanted. Woman, you can't keep her alone I ah, now you take my little woman Well, now you can't keep her alone ah, Well, now she will come running home Crying dirty now nah, right and wrong.
1: Alright, Petey Wheatstraw. and we're we're just about out of time, Mike. We're coming up on the uh the end of the program here, but there there actually was uh, kind of some, some strange circumstances around Petey Wheatstraw's death too, wasn't there? Oh, Mike still with us? Mike you still there? Okay, I think we lost him. So I think we'll just we'll just thank him for joining us. I'll have to call him back after the show because it was just great having him on here and it's you know we we're listening to that program uh, on the podcast, and to be able to say, "Wow, you know we can actually have the guy host the show come onto our show." It's just great to be able to open up hopefully a channel for for our listeners to now to go and find some of this blues music. Um, but getting back to the idea of Petey Wheatstraw's death, I do have a little information here uh, on december twenty first nineteen forty one his thirty ninth birthday, he and some friends decided to take a drive. Uh, they tried to entice his friend, Blue singer Teddy Darby, but Darby's wife refused to let him join them. Uh, Wheatstraw was a passenger in the back seat when the Buick struck a standing freight train, instantly killing his two companions, mm. and Wheatstraw died of massive head injuries in the hospital some hours later. There's a legend that his death drew little attention, but that the accident was fully reported in St. Louis and East St. Louis newspapers, and obituaries appeared in the National Music Press. Downbeat led the front page for January 15, 1942, with the story of the accident, and an appreciation of Petey's career under the headline Blue Shutter Killed after waxing Hearstman Blues. And that's Hearsman Blues is one of the oh, songs. Wow. So uh miss uh uh precognition there about his death. But so there you have it. The paranormal blues is something that we've been talking about since the first time we yeah. had our Gary Patterson on the program in, in two thousand six and and just knowing that you know this deep history of, of blues music And the association with the devil and the stories of Robert Johnson and Tommy Johnson, I'm glad that we could explore it a little bit here tonight. Something that I definitely want people to to get further into. If you like the music that we played here tonight, it's just the tip of the iceberg of what's out there. And not just the old recordings, not just the original greats uh, that were out there, but it's still alive. It's still thriving today. I don't usually push other radio shows uh, onto people, uh, but definitely check out the Uncensored History of the Blues podcast. Uh, and, and they're generally they're about a half an hour long, so it's mm-hmm. real short. It's something you can listen to on the drive from home to work. It's uh, commercial free. You get a lot of great information from Mike and you get to hear the songs in their entirety and each one has a different theme and he's got that great laid back approach to, to presenting the information and it's, it's just the perfect fit uh, for learning more about this. And of course, you know, you can also listen to the wide world of blues too. That's
6: right. <laughs> I'll throw it up because I've learned so much from
1: listening to that and I'm sure you probably had some stuff played there. Yeah, and we
3: had a couple, I've had a couple of original tunes on uh wide world of blues. Um, Couple
1: years ago, so uh, we can't give up the call letters, but we will stay. Just look for that. If you search it on the internet, you'll find it. Thank you for uh, reminding me because I
4: usually do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sunday morning blues. Yeah, Sunday
3: morning.
1: It's always there. It's always there. Just get out there, find it, check it out, and don't just do it in February when it's Black History Month. Do it all the time. The blues is something that's essentially, you know, quintessentially American. Mm -hmm. You know, they say jazz is the only true American art form, but. I think blues took some of those influences from Africa and really perfected it and Americanized it. And they made it, you know, here's the way that we're going to do it to, to persevere. Matt, I know you're going to try and, and play some more blues uh, going forward in your musical career. Yeah, you're, right, sure. you're writing some stuff too? Uh, I'm sure. I think you and Carl should get together and kind of expand on that I little should. theme song I wrote in the first five we minutes We will of the jam program. it, yes. <laughs> and speaking of jams, let's stick around. Let's stay around for a little while. Let's be here till 12.30, and, and we'll just let Carl play and, and entertain the listeners. Kind of a little treat for listening to us talk about the paranormal blues. Now you get to hear the blues straight out. And uh, if you have any requests or anything you'd like to hear, give us a call at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. But for those of you who are not going to stick around for the encore, and we thank you for joining us here on Spooky South Coast. For Tim, we- um, Tim Weisberg, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, for Carlson Chopswood, we want you all to stay spooktacular.
0: Yes, now it's 12 o'clock in the morning. I've been jamming here on the show With Tim and Matt and Matt Singing paranormal blues for y'all You got the paranormal blues Hanging round my door all night long Oh, I gotta sing you a song now, baby about those paranormal blues. Well, there's a ghost hanging around my window here tonight. I don't know what he's looking for. I got a feeling that it ain't right. I got those paranormal blues. And I don't know what I'm gonna do That's right I got them paranormal blues I might have to call somebody in to help me With these paranormal
1: yeah, well, we are here. Spooky South Coast, of course, is uh, is technically over, but we're going to go a little bit of overtime. We're going to call the encore here because we have an actual musician in the studio for a change, instead of just hacks like uh, Matt and Matt here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we we have you know, we have, uh, we have Carl's chop, Carlson chops wood, and uh, which is a, a great name, by the way. Let's uh, let's take the call before we go into our little mini concert here. It might be Pete telling us to to go home. Good evening, you're on spooky South Coast. How you doing?
12: Hi, you're a slamming show tonight.
1: Thank you very much.
12: I really like the blues, and um, I'm more partial to piano. Like I like Pete Johnson, Fats Waller. Oh yeah. Even Ray Charles. It's like, and he really was kind of the first in modern times to like blend gospel and and blues. I like Eddie James. I like Dinah Washington. I like Billie Holiday. I like Papa John Creech plays the fiddle. I love blues. You just really had a slammy show.
1: Thank you, and, and and we play some piano blues, but we can't get a piano into the, into the spooky studio here. I should have brought my keyboard. I never hey, thought well, that's why I don't play, to play
12: piano play. either, because like you know I don't have one to practice on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to play, but I have a nice keyboard, and I'm sure Carl would have been able to play. Or,
12: oh, it's just or it's just I love the sound of piano. It's one of my it's my favorite instrument. Then I suppose it's a tie between like violin, fiddle, or um, sax. So, I like brass, did, but really a good, good show. All that chicken picking music—that's so old, and just simply good.
1: Did you ever think about the connotation between, you know, ghosts and the devil and paranormal music?
12: Well, you know what I mean. We all have our own devils. Let's face it; it's like the devil could be anything. The devil, sure. the, the blues are like the devil's within you, devil's outside you. It's you know, it doesn't have to be literal. Literal, it could be figurative. But like you just know, you know when the devil's in you. I don't give a I don't give a flying fig whether whether it's a woman, whether it's a man, whether it's like um, a drug, whether whether it's just like your um, life situation.
2: All
1: stuff that you know comes through in the blues themes.
12: Oh, for real, for real. I'm just I I just want to say thank you because I'm very impressed with the show you had
1: tonight. Well, thank you, and we're we're glad that we could do it, and hopefully we'll be able to. We were seeing like um.
12: That paranormal blues. Who's that doing
1: that? Carlston chops wood.
12: That's who sings that.
1: Yeah, he's a local guy. He's from. He's a Wareham Listen, guy. You know, I
12: heard you guys saying like there wasn't a lot of blues around here, but y'all wrong. It's like blues alley was good. Okay. Oh, yeah, RC's band, yeah. Oh, really? I know RC. It's like he's very good. It's like I. I they're still. They're still out the...
1: there. They're still out there playing. Pardon me. They're still out there playing.
12: Oh, for real! I know. But, I between know. Between Blues
1: Alley and Daddyo, he switches off. Uh, I think.
12: That's absolutely s- think right. Saturday and nights is I've, and I've been is a blues bartender all. for a year, and I know them. I know them all. Okay, it's like, but the fact is, is that New Bedford, as far as music, is a well kept secret. I don't care whether it's jazz, blues. Oh, that's
6: great it, stuff! It,
12: we have had great bands. I knew, I knew, like Bobby Green, you know, Armstead Christian, John Harrison, Kathy, when she sings with them. There are just so many good musicians here. It's like, why should you pay five, ten dollars to walk in a joint and listen to like somebody spin records when you can walk in somewhere most places now for free? Bands sure. are hungry and there are a lot of good bands in this yeah. area. We have a good ethnic mix of people. We have mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of talent around
1: here. Look at a lot, lot of mixes of mu- different types of music. And I just want to clarify what I said, though. It's not that there isn't good blues musicians around here, but there aren't good blues clubs for them to go to play. So what they're doing is they're getting the, the spotlight in a local bar, and they're, they're getting a couple hours to play you know, Knuckleheads of the Ice Chest, and they're not getting a, a place that's devoted solely to keeping that blues music alive. There is one in Onset. Uh, Peek on and, it that's right it would have closed down yeah what happened to the blues festivals we used to that, have that here? still does happen in and, and Onset they still have the blues festival in August well and, they
12: let one go I remember one year they let one go because I usually go they have one in Wareham also they have a blues
1: festival Yep. Yeah, well yeah Onset, Wareham same, same thing so. right yeah and uh, definitely uh, we, we need to come down uh, and check out the blues that we have there we, there's uh, Calvin Calvin's a, a big blues guy and there's a number of them in Wareham and you know they're 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 keeping it going there, and I know in New Bedford and in Fairhaven, there's tons of people that play the blues. we got to get a place where we can have a solid blues night that's going to draw a lot of attention. For
12: real, I remember they used to have, like, um, I don't mean the main event when it reopened downtown, but the old main event used to have good good musicians, blues and jazz. Also, there was a place, I think it's where that ex-museum is, it was called The Vault, Okay. right yep. across from the City Hall. They used to have, like, good jazz jazz and like uh, blues musicians it's something that like um, we have to keep alive in this area but thank you very much for
1: the show tonight well thank you for calling in peace All right, so yeah I mean that's what we're here for though we're here to help keep it alive we're here to kind of explore the themes that are in it we're glad that people enjoyed the program and and now we're just going to basically kick back and rock out before we leave and we got Carlson Chopswood on guitar and vocals we got Matt Moniz on harmonica I might pick up one of mine too if I can figure out what I'm doing we got Matt Costa over here, uh, playing his guitar and chewing on a pick. And <laughs> Matt, what was the first blues song you learned? What was the first you tried to learn? I know you're a big fan of uh, of Killing Floor. Oh yeah. <clears throat> is that something that you can actually play, or is that something that you've been uh, working well,
2: I, on? I can try to play it, but I'd it like to see. It, it. Does, it doesn't. Uh, that uh, but, uh, that let's just see it. I don't even remember it. <laughs> that was Carl, one of the, you, one of the uh, first ones.
3: I'm not boned up on that. I okay. Could, we could do something else, or if uh, Matt wants to do something else, or yeah, whatever. Want to do you want to rock all night long? Is that what you want?
1: (laughs) Well, I gotta go to bed eventually. (laughs) We could do, uh, It's it's all yours. Microphone's yours, man.
0: Rock me, baby. Rock me all night long. Rock me, baby. Rock me, baby Like my back ain't got no bone, Rock me, baby Like a wagon wheel That's right Rock me, baby Like a wagon wheel Yeah Roll me, baby to a little bit of that hop. baby like my and got no
1: bo very nice there you go all right any uh, any other requests give us a call <laughs> 589960500 know, to request us
2: to stop <laughs> that, <laughs> <laughs> hey you know it's radio you never know
1: what's going to come through on the airwaves it's probably the 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 most uh, the most music that's been played on WBSM in like 45 years so we're, they
2: don't still we're, run that other show, do
1: they? They installed Chimes program. I don't think so. Not anymore. No, I mean this. This is the music that might have been spun here. You know, back in the day when they allowed music for a couple hours overnight, and uh, you know, to be able to to bring it back. That's that's what's great about this time slot and and the, kind of the the hands off approach the station has to what we do here. We get to do some really different stuff that might not be allowed on the radio during regular yeah. hours. I mean live radio drama broadcasts, you know, uh, Paranormal Blues, live musicians in the studio. I mean, this is... We're, we're happy that we can do this, and, and we're glad that the listeners like it. And uh, maybe we can find, you know, other... I, I think we should do a whole rock and roll show where we can come to. Yes. Oh,
4: superstitions and... the in, in, in... Um, No, I'm talking like oh, superstitions with rock and rollers and musicians <laughs> oh, yeah. in itself. Oh.
1: I mean, we, we've... We, we talked to Gary Patterson that time. I mean, I'm just like, I, I didn't even remember to ask questions. I was just so fascinated listening to him talk. And if we can incorporate that with some live performances like we did tonight, you know, history in the making. Not to toot our own horns, but.
4: No, we do a pretty good show.
1: We're, we're pretty good. I think
4: so. <laughs> we could take
3: this on the road.
1: I don't know about all that. I don't know <laughs> if I want to be crammed into a bus with you guys for, for many hours in states, but uh, we can certainly uh, keep it going. Well. What, what would you probably say is your, your favorite blues musician?
3: I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. I think he was just absolutely uh very powerful, very soulful uh, guitar player from uh, Texas, and I, I, I was just absolutely devastated uh, with his uh, tragic death.
1: You, you know what's uh, what people don't, discuss enough is there's been so many of these plane crashes, helicopter crashes, these disasters that have occurred around musicians, and I said, well, you know, they travel a lot, they travel under, you know, less than ideal circumstances in some cases, but look at athletes, professional athletes, they travel around quite this a bit, true. and, you know, they're they're taking off in the middle of winter, and icy conditions, it, it just seems like with, with music, there seems to be some sort of ethereal connection that maybe... Sometimes they really are taken before their time, and, you know, maybe they are cursed. Unless you're a
4: soccer, you know, group <laughs> from-
1: <laughs> In these <Andes> mountains, <laughs> yeah. Mm, tastes like chicken. Uh, but that's uh, another Ironically, case. that's where they came up with a recipe for taquitos. All right, well, what else do we have? Do we have a... <laughs> you,
0: an original? Sure, let's do it. Sure, do, do an
1: original. <laughs>
3: This is a song I, I, I like to incorporate numbers and things in, into uh, different songs and uh, almost uh, like the and, you- and, and, and my my wife has uh, uh, worked for the uh, telephone company for for quite some time twenty plus years and at one point in time she was number. 69 on the uh, seniority list, and, and being an operator, of course, I wanted to come up with some type of a, a song to her, and uh, I came up with a, a, an original number that uh, I call Operator 69.
1: And ironically, it's now the hold music for when uh, she, it is, she says, Can you please hold while I transfer you? And they play that song,
3: and <laughs> I, I get no royalties for it whatsoever. Of but it's you know, only exactly. hold music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it kind of goes something like this.
0: Whoa, information Please get me operator 69 You know I love the way she talks You know she sounds so fine Whoa, information Where well, can you put me straight through to her? You know she sound just like a kitten I love the way she purr Operator, 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 operator 69 Operator, operator 69 Operator, operator Will you be mine? Oh I got trouble here on the line. I'm going to lose my connection without operator 69. Whoa, hey, Sean. Well, can you put me straight through to her? You know she sounds just like a kitten. I love the way she purrs. Operator, Operator, 69, Operator, Operator, 69, Operator, Operator, will you be mine? Yeah,
3: yeah, there you go. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Hey, well, you know some talented people. <laughs> And we leech off of them. That's what we do. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt Cost, I'm going to put the spotlight on you. I want you to play so. something for us in a public forum. Nobody's listening. It's Twelve thirty at night. Nobody's listening. I'll know. I'll edit it out of the podcast if it makes you feel more comfortable. I
2: don't think I can play anything. You Not sure? Off the
1: top of my head. You sure. Yeah. You sure? What about uh, What about the Clinton administration? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about that off the air. It's a It's a <laughs> new new thing we're working on, but
2: I don't even think I can pull off the meow mix.
1: <laughs> you know the Meowmix. Mm-hmm. I, I I actually uh, I know a, a little bit of harmonica stuff. There you go. Ready? This is this is what I, learned. I was telling them before. I learned what little harmonica I know from uh, from the book with the one, two, three. That's why I'm glad they still come with the numbers. Your, yes. Yours have numbers. They on all them? have numbers. I believe. Perfect. Perfect. Mine doesn't. Yep. All right. Oh. you got the uh, you got the CVS uh, kids <laughs> harmonica there. They're, the one that came off. End,
2: the, the one that's in the shape of a lobster.
1: Screw it around. What was the uh? What what did I play for you before? I know I played Oh Susanna. Did I give yeah. you Clementine? Yep. All right, that's it. That's my repertoire. <laughs> the best thing about the harmonica, though, is when you're listening to songs on the radio, or you know, listening to your CDs or whatever. It's really easy to pick up on a lot of the the harmonica parts that are in these songs because the guys that are playing them, they don't know how to play the freaking harmonica. They're just picking it up and trying to do something. You know, they're Bono trying to add in a little something at the end of a song, or or Billy Joel who says, ah, "I don't have a line here, so." No, it's just Phil. That's that was all good. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're gonna keep going. And, and uh I, I remember uh, I remember when um I started listening to like Bob Dylan and I realized, Oh, he's he's really good at that. For a guy who writes such great lyrics, there's every once in a while where he just needs to stop and catch his breath a little bit, so he just blows on the harmonica a little bit. And so for anybody that wants to kind of get involved in blues music and they're like me and they got short, fat, stubby fingers, they can't play the guitar. The, the harmonica is a great way to go because yes, it is. as long as you're in the right key, you can just get up and do like Matt Moniz, you know, just start wailing away and it comes to you. You start picking up on where it's going and it's, it's truly, you know, the best type of jam music you can play is there's, there's nothing more that you're feeling than the blues. Get an instrument, any
3: instrument and play it. In fact, the harmonica is known as the Mississippi Saxophone. I can see that. And there was a, a one of my favorite uh, blues harp guys is um, Junior, Junior Wells. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, he had walked into the Five and Dime when he was a youngster, uh, maybe 10 or 12 years old, and did a five-finger mm-hmm. discount on one of the harmonicas there and was summarily brought before the judge by the uh, local PD. And the judge asked him, you know, what do you have to say, this theft? And he said, well, he says, I I really need this. And he says, why? And he says, because I I can play it, and and I need to play it. I want to make it my life. And the judge said, play me something. And he played something, and the judge said, case dismissed. It's all yours. I'll pay for it myself. He he
1: got up and he played. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Might have been. I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> Wait. I don't even know what else I know how to play. I know like five songs, and you put it on my. Mic- That's the one thing you got to really learn how to do is how to play it around a microphone. Like I was trying to jump in, you know, while you were playing. It's like. <laughs> There is isn't like technique over, overpowering yes. everything. That's there why you need te- that nice nineteen forties microphone like John Popper uses. They
3: sell those, and the well, John Popper uses. I don't know how much electrical tape or, or black duct tape he uses on it, but the thing looks absolutely scary. And he's got
1: that vest of all the different harmonicas, and, and he's and
3: amazing. He's just like a virtuoso. He's got that style, that John Popper style.
1: And it's it's kind of like that, uh, almost like it's kind of like the William Tell, <laughs> almost uh, kind of beat to it a yes you know it's like he's trilling
3: that thing and it's just and not everybody can do that uh but he's he's one of the great one of the great harmonica players you know I'm who's very
1: good that. around these parts and i don't know if you've uh, come across them but uh james gagney from uh, shipyard wreck
3: i've heard of shipyard wreck and they are friends of mine on the myspace the, they're
1: outstanding they play a lot local here around here and and uh and james actually you know sings, plays like John Popper. And when I did a story on him a few years ago, I I asked him about it. He said, you know, I never even heard Blues Traveler until after we started playing and people started making that connotation. But, I mean, obviously they're great. They're original, and and I recommend people go out and check their music. Before it gets to the point where I start playing Oh, Susanna, would you like to to do something else to take us out? Sure. Okay.
0: In your shoes those women in deep Ellum got those deep Ellum blues. Oh sweet mama, your daddy's got them deep. Got them deep bellum Blue. If you go down to Deep Bellum, boy, put your money in your socks. The police in Deep Bellum, boy, they'll put you on the rocks. Sweet Mama, your daddy's got them deep bellum blue. Oh. oh, sweet Mama, your daddy's got them deep bellum blue.
1: All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us and for hanging around with us after, after the show here. And thank you to Carl for coming in and and rocking out with us and, and sharing your love and your your knowledge of the blues. And uh, for Matt Moniz for rediscovering a lost talent. And and you know what? I'm going to tell you, you can keep that thing. And
4: really? Yeah. I haven't had one in 20 years. I I, I used to love harmonica.
1: And it seems like you've uh, you've rediscovered your love for it. So keep it. Work on it. We'll we'll keep practicing, you and I, and we'll see if we can actually get a little better. And maybe next time when we talk about Paranormal Blues, you know, we can have a full scale jam session. We'll get Matt Costa over a stage, right? <laughs> we'll
2: go down to the. I'm cross telling cross.
1: you, man. I want next time. I want to hear Killing Floor. Okay. Because I, I
2: I I used to know it.
1: Knowing know how much it. you love that song and knowing how great of a song it is, <laughs> I can only imagine what you're gonna to do to it. So, all right. Well, until next week, then we want you all to stay, stay spectacular.